welcome to the International Family Church Podcast. Each year as a church, we begin with prayer and fasting. Beginning January 6th, we invite you to participate with us in 21 days of prayer and fasting. We've made a devotional to accompany your times of prayer, and it'll be available at intlfamilychurch.com and on our app. We also have resources available on our website explaining corporate prayer and fasting. We'll have corporate times of prayer each day, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. and 12 p.m. at the church, and each Friday night during the fast at 7.30 p.m. That's Friday the 10th, 17th, and 24th. The next semester of Life Groups is just around the corner, and we'd like to invite you to lead a group. Leading a Life Group is one of the most rewarding ways to use your gifts, talents, and interest to connect with others at IFC. We believe that true life change happens in the context of relationships, and life groups are an essential part of that. On January 11th, we'll be hosting our spring semester life group leader orientation. If you're planning on leading a group, are interested in hosting a group, or would like more info about what's involved, join us in the cafe during the 10 a.m. or 1 p.m. service. Our team will walk you through everything you need to know about hosting a group and equip you with the tools to be a successful group leader. Be a part of building a great community here at IFC and join us for the Spring Life Group Leader Orientation on January 11th. Now here's today's message. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have to open up this book of books. We're so grateful for you, Jesus. We're so grateful for the Word of God that we get to open up this book anytime we need to and every day of our lives. We're not familiar with this. We don't come across as lackadaisical or familiar. We're so thankful for the written word of God. We believe it changes us. We believe it radically revolutionizes our life from the inside out. And so today, we don't approach your word with any kind of familiarity but reverence and honor. And we thank you, Father God, that as we honor your word, as we honor your plan for today... We thank you, Father, that you will make it come alive inside of us, not just for a day, but reminding us over the year of what you're saying today in the beginning of this year. We give you praise. We give you glory. I thank you, Father God, that what we're about to hear is exactly what we need to hear. And you'll make it applicable to every season of our lives, every person in the room, every person watching online. We believe that you supernaturally enable us Lord, to grab a hold of your word today so we will never, ever be the same. We believe that. How many believe that today? Amen. Say a big amen. 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 Tomorrow starts uh, our opportunity that I am so excited about. Tomorrow starts our 21 days of prayer and fasting, January 6th to January 26th. And it's a great opportunity. If you've not been with us uh, here at IFC, you might not realize what a major event this is for us and, and, and what it does for us as a, as a church, as a body of believers. If you've joined us in times past and you committed yourself to 21 days of prayer and fasting, you know firsthand that it changes our lives. You know firsthand that well, it establishes your expectation for the year, your pace, your direction for the year. Um, it is no light manner what it is that we begin to start with here in the brand new year. Now, we know that prayer alone can change things. How many know that? Prayer all by itself, man, it's awesome. And fasting by itself, we know it has great benefits for our health. How many know that's true too? But when you combine prayer and fasting together, 
It's a partnership that will totally change your life. It's a partnership that can change the course of your life. You know, I've learned that I can do a lot. I can do without a lot of things. I can do without food, certain foods. I, I, I can do without uh, TV. I can do without social media. I can do without my negative thinking or my drama. There's a lot of things I can do without. But I've learned there's a lot of things that, that there's one thing is specifically that I will not want to do without, and that's Jesus. You can, do a, you can do a lot without a lot of different things, but man, we need his word. We need his promises. We need his purpose and his plan. We need his life. We need his passion. We need everything about what God represents in our lives today. You might be realizing as you start this new year, man, you're in need of a miracle. You're in need of healing. You got a dream in your heart that only God can make it come to pass. Maybe you're in a place where you realize, man, I've got all this negative, dark thoughts that are limiting me. Man, I'm done with that. Maybe you have a loved one, a friend, or a family member that needs Jesus. Maybe you're, 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 you're in a place where you so long to know the will of God. You so know, long to know him in a brand new way, in a, in a way that has deeper passion and commitments in your life. If those questions and so many more are questions that you are asking or in need of, you need these next 21 days more than you realize. You really do. See, because when we pray and fast... When we pray and fast, I, I, I skipped that one. When we pray and fast, we don't do so to change God or his will. Instead, by praying and fasting, we are the ones changed. See, prayer and fasting is not to change the heart of God, is not to make him feel bad for us because we're going without something. It's absolutely never changes God, but it absolutely changes me. And I fully expect over the next 21 days to be changed. I fully expect over the next 21 days for my life to change. Let's go back to that first graphic that I missed. Fasting is not a biblical requirement. It's a choice. It's a vow that I choose to make to connect with God on a deeper level and disconnect from all the clutter in your life. Amen. Wow. I don't know about you, but I'm sure there's been some clutter that you brought with you from 2019. Come on. I'm sure there's some thought process. I'm sure there's some stuff that you wish didn't go with you, right? And, and I'm sure you're in need like I am for a fresh connection with God. Yes. 2019, I'm sure some of you, you couldn't wait for the year to be over. You couldn't wait for the year to be done. When that ball dropped, you thought, thank you, Jesus, I made it through, yes. right? And some of you definitely ended that year that way. But I want, I want you to know today that when you take time to give God first place, right? And you determine, I need a fresh connection with you, my Father. And I need to disconnect from all the clutter, all the drama, all the stuff that I know is not healthy or good for me. Now, today's purpose of today's message is not to go into great detail about prayer and fasting. Um, we're going to direct you to our website because there is so much information we have there waiting for you to understand. If you've never joined us for a season of prayer, it'll give you all the details that you need. But today, I believe that the Holy Spirit has given us the perfect message to start the year off. And I want to challenge you today about making room for God in 2020. Making room for God in 2020. So you can come into the new year lackadaisical. It's here, okay. 
right? Kind of hungover, kind of whatever. It's, it's too much partying, too much food, too much sugar. And you can, you can kind of just kind of coast into 2020, or you can intentionally step into 2020, not passively, but aggressively. Not passively, but in a place of, of strength, in a place of intentionality. And I want to give you three Bible examples. These are three separate examples that I want to give you from the Bible that really are the perfect the perfect um, understanding of what it means to make room for God in 2020. But first of all, here's our big takeaway. Here's what I want you to go home with today. You can never make God move in your life, but you can make room for him to move in your life. What does that mean? What does that mean, make room for God to move in my life? Here are three Bible stories, each one separate, each one individual, each one that I want you to put yourself in these Bible stories. I have put myself in these three stories, and I'm going to draw some understanding and some insight that I believe will help set you up for a, a tremendous 2020. Our first Bible example is found in 2 Kings chapter 4, and it says this, one day Elisha passed through Shunem. A noblewoman, and other translations call her wealthy, a noblewoman, a wealthy woman, was there who urged him to eat a meal. So whenever he passed through, he stopped through to eat a meal. So you got to know she was a good cook, right? If her name was Verna, her meatballs were like crazy, <laughs> crazy good. Whatever it was, you know she could cook his favorite meals. And she said to her husband, I know that he is a holy man of God, regularly passing through near us. Let us make a little walled upper room and put for him there a bed, a table, a chair, a lamp. So when he comes to us, he can stay there. Example number two. It's found in Mark chapter 10. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, his name was Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Our final example and story is found in Mark chapter 6. It says, late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on the land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them, but when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out, in terror, thinking he was a ghost. All three of these stories are very, very powerful. Notice in each of these stories, the power of God was passing by. Each of these stories, the power of God was available. There was no guarantee that the power of God would be accessed. We're going to find out throughout this year that the power of God is going to be passing by. The power of God is going to be available to us. But we have to determine in our hearts, will we make a demand on that? Will we make room for the power of God? Will we make room for what is necessary and needful for our lives in 2020? The Shunammite woman recognized Elisha, um, uh, who regularly passed by to be a man of God, so she literally made a room for him. She saw an opportunity. 
seized it, spent the money, and worked hard to build what was necessary. She made room for God. Blind Bartimaeus heard Jesus was passing by. What did he hear about Jesus? Well, he must have heard that he was a healer. He must have heard he's a miracle worker. He must have heard, wow, uh, he, he walks in the power of God. And so what did he begin to do? He began to cry out. And he didn't care that anybody else cared, that it wanted to shut him up. And not even once, but twice, he cried out to God, saw an opportunity, seized it. He made room for God. The disciples were doing everything they knew how to do, not to die in that storm. But, noted, noticing, but, but nothing that they seemed to be doing was working. Man, it got worse and worse. And these are fishermen. These are men that have been out on the stormy sea in times past. And they were freaked out, thinking they were going to die. This had to be some crazy storm they were going through. Amen. Jesus showed up and notice what the Bible said. I always seem to read over this in times past, but read, notice what it says. He intended to walk by them. I'm thinking, what? These are your disciples. Seriously? You're going to let them die? You're going to walk past them at the worst time of their life when they're in the middle of a storm and they think they're going to die? No, of course not. Jesus wasn't going to let them die, right? Because in that boat, if you think about it, we, we wouldn't have... They were the authors of the New Testament, right? They're not going to die. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a Bible to read for the most part, right? But what did he do? He was giving them hope. He was recognizing, I know you're in trouble. I'm going to give you an opportunity. Will you take advantage of the opportunity? See, in each of these cases, God knew what they needed. But just because God knew what they needed doesn't mean it was going to happen. In each example, divine intervention did take place. Blind Bartimaeus did get the attention of Jesus, and he cried out to Jesus, and Jesus stopped and stood still and asked the man, asked Bartimaeus, what do you want from me? Now, I think it's interesting that the obvious doesn't obligate God to move. Wow. Let that sink in for a moment. The obvious doesn't obligate God to move. That's profound. What I know about the New Testament and what I know what historians say, that blind men, blind people, would typically be wearing a different color clothing. They didn't have white poles with red stripe on the, on the bottom of it. And, and oftentimes there was these different clothing they would wear to make it obvious this person was blind or make it obvious this person had leprosy and so forth. So I believe it only was obvious by how he was acting. I'm, I'm sure Jesus knew exactly what was going on, but it was obvious to Jesus this man was blind. For whatever reason, it seemed obvious. So it seems like a, a weird question, right? What do you want from me? Well, of course a blind man is going to want to be see. He wants, he wants to see. But Jesus still asks him, what do you want? Maybe he wanted money. Maybe he wanted a place to stay. Maybe he needed some food, right? Jesus asked specifically, even though it was ob obvious, the obvious doesn't obligate God to move. 
Just because it's obvious you need a touch from heaven. Just because it's obvious your money is in, in, in dire straits. Just because it's obvious that maybe your marriage is not what you want it to be. It's because it's obvious you're not happy in your job. It's because it's obvious your condition's getting worse. It's because it's obvious there are certain things in your life that might not necessarily be what, what you'd like them to be. Maybe it's obvious you've been believing God for a husband or a wife or to get pregnant or whatever it is might, in your life might be to have restoration with a parent or a loved one or so on and so forth. It might be as obvious as the day is bright, but just because it's obvious doesn't mean God is obligated to come through for you. Oh, is he merciful? Absolutely. Is he a good God? Oh man, sure he is. He gives us more things that we don't even deserve to have, right? Amen. But listen, faith moves the hand of God. Faith takes the first step. And in each of these stories, he was wanting them to take a step. He was wanting them to declare what they need. He was wanting them to use their faith. He was wanting them to have expectation. He was wanting them to step out. See, what do you want me to do for you, blind Bartimaeus? And he says, I want to see. And we know the story. He was healed and received his sight. Here, listen very carefully. Over the next 21 days, when Jesus asks you, what do you want from me? How will you answer? Do you have your list? Do you have your top three things, top five things you're believing God for? Do you have something, do you have an answer? Do you have I want, and you, you have faith in your heart? Because God will ask. There'll be opportunities that will rise up inside of us over these next 21 days. That's what we're expecting. And you need to be able to say what it is that you need. He knows what you need, but he wants you to ask him. See, if you'll make room for Jesus over the next 21 days, you too can be set free. There's no reason for you to stay depressed for the next 21 days. There's no reason for you to stay sick for the next 21 days. There's no reason for you to stay uh, in a place of crazy the darkness in your mind for the next 21 days. There's no reason for you to stay in your sin for the next 21 days. There's no reason for you to be helpless and hopeless and giving up over the next 21 days. Let me tell you something. When Jesus sets somebody free, because he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. That's his desire. That's his plan. The Bible says Jesus was alone on the land and he saw his disciples in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. Listen very carefully. Just because you can't see Jesus because of the storm doesn't mean that Jesus can't see you. That's so good. The disciples are probably thinking, where is our master? Doesn't he know we're, we're going to die? Doesn't he know that our life is at, in, in peril here? Jesus saw them on the shore. But just because they didn't see him doesn't mean Jesus didn't see them. Doesn't matter how much your storm is you're going through. Jesus sees it. Doesn't matter how deep the issue is and how crazy the battle is. Let me tell you something. Jesus knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows exactly what's happening. He knows exactly what's taking place in your life. When Jesus came walking on the water, the disciples cried out and he told them, don't be afraid. Have courage. I'm here. He climbed in their boat and the storm stopped. Wow. 
I believe if they would not have cried out to Jesus, Jesus would have kept on walking. He would have kept on walking. He needed somebody to cry out. He needed somebody to say, help me. He needed a blind man to say, hey, son of David, have mercy on me. In case of the Shunammite woman, she kept cooking Elisha's favorite food. And her hospitality must have been off the charts because the man of God said to her, woman of, what, what can I do for you? And her answer was, well, I'm good. I, my family's taking care of me. I'm, I'm good. I, I, everything's good for me. He's frustrated because he wants to bless her because of her generosity. So he goes to one of the servants and said, what's the deal here? What, 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 can, we, what can I do for her? The servant said, well, she desires a son, but her husband's very old. So he calls the woman back. He says, woman, come back here. She stands in the doorway of the room she built for the man of God. And he prophesied to her and said, this time next year, you will have a son. Now, her response was not what you would think. Her response was, don't mess with me, man of God. Right? Don't give me hope. What a strange answer to good news. I put myself in her situation. I said, Lord, why did she answer that way? I believe she answered that way because she's been disappointed before. I believe she answered that way because maybe she had miscarriages. She had unfulfilled dreams. She was hurt, maybe because of no child, maybe because of whatever it was. We don't know the details, but I believe the answer came from a cynical heart. Came from a heart, I trusted you before. You didn't come through. I believed God for years, and it didn't work. I stood on your word for years, and look at me. Still not healed. I'm still not well. My marriage is still a mess. My, my mind and my mental stability is still not where it needs to be. And if we're not careful, we can approach a brand new year with a cynical attitude. Cynical because every year we believe God, it didn't happen. Every year we wanted something to break through and it didn't happen. We believe for that, for that, that career, that, that promotion, that being debt-free, that breakthrough, that, 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 that love person, that person, that, that my love interest, whatever it might be in our lives. And she answered in a cynical way because she's been hurt before. I want to encourage you today, don't approach 2020 with a cynical heart. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God, say, God, I, I'm sorry. I, I know better. And, and, and many times it's timing. Many times it's not like, like you're a bad person. It's oftentimes because the, God knows what needs to happen in our lives. And he knows that, that, that if we don't grow, that if we don't put ourselves in a process of growth, he can bless us and we lose the blessing. He's not just into giving us stuff without having the character to handle it. Come on, somebody. I'm touching somebody's heart today. I felt it in all three services, this attitude, this despair, this discouragement as we end one year and start a brand new one. We want to hope. We want to have a good, a, a good thought. We want to be able to believe God. We want to be able to do it. But, man, we've been disappointed too many times. Well, we make a long story short. She has her baby. That time next year, her baby was born. Her baby is out growing up as a, as a son now and, and a, a little older, and he's out in the fields with his dad. And suddenly he has this terrible pain in his head, and he screams out in pain. They take the, they take the young boy to his mom, and he dies. Her promised son dies in her arms. 
What does she do? Give up? What does she do? Become cynical? I knew I shouldn't have believed God for this in the first place. Why did you bless me like this for? If now we're going, we're going to, I'm going to lose him. No, she didn't do that at all. You know what she did? She went back to that room she built. Laid that baby on the bed, the prophet's bed. We know the story. He came alive. Wow. Came alive. You know why? Because she made room for God. She made room for God. Amen. That's so important today. In each of these stories today, what made Jesus stand still in the middle of a multitude of people that needed him? What made Jesus stand still? A crowd. And he took care of the one. What made him climb in a boat in the middle of a life-threatening storm? I believe it was desperation. I believe it was desperation. It was hunger. It was strong desire that would not be denied. It was faith. It was raw honesty. Let me tell you something. God can handle your raw honesty. God can handle your doubt and unbelief. God can handle your anger towards him. God can handle your attitude that's not quite right right now. God knows you. God knows your heart. God can handle you saying, I don't know about you. You you didn't come through before. I'm in a pretty bad place right now. God can handle it. But don't stay there, right? Do what you got to do as you talk to your father. But at the end of the day, you're going to say, but Lord, I believe your word. God, I believe your plan. God, I'm going to make room for you. I'm not going to give up. She could have given up. She could have said, what's the sense? I knew I shouldn't have believed that man of God. I knew I shouldn't have allowed him to prophesy over me. Amen. And she could have gone that direction, but thank God she didn't. The question today for you is this. Is Jesus here today? You know he is. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, I think we we qualify, right? He's in the midst of us, right? But the real question that needs to be asked is, will Jesus being here do you any good? Jesus is here, but will you make room for him? Do you know what you'll get out of a service like this today? Exactly what your faith reaches out for. Amen. Amen. I believe today's service can be the start of divine intervention. It can be a start of a brand new day for you. It can be a start of, of a new opportunity. It can be a start of, of something that changes you. Amen. And puts into motion God's plan in the next 21 days of your life. Absolutely. Listen, the Shunammite woman, she made room for God when everything was great. She's a wealthy woman. She had what she needed. Right? She had favor. Obviously, things were going good for her, but she made room for God, not ever expecting what was around the bend. Blind Bartimaeus, he had a pre-existing condition, and he brought it to God. The disciples were in the midst of, in the middle of a life and death situation, and they cried out to God. See, no matter what the situation is, everything might be great for you right now. You might be in the middle of a pre-existing condition. Your marriage has been bad for years. Your health has been bad for years. Your finances has been bad for years. You've been in debt for more time and you can remember the last time you were not debt-free. It could be a pre-existing condition or it can be the worst storm of your life right now. The point of all this is, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are, make room for God. If you'll make room for God, he will come through for you. All three of these examples, 
God came through. Why? Somebody made a demand on God. Somebody trusted him. Somebody said, help me. Somebody cried out. Somebody opened up their heart. Our next 21 days of prayer starts tomorrow. It's an opportunity. Will you seize it? And will you make room for God? Amen. Today is step one in our growth track, our four-part growth track. Today is step one to, to understand and connect with what God is doing here at IFC. It's a step towards uh, your spiritual process and your spiritual journey. It's an opportunity. Will you say yes to that opportunity? Yes. See, it's an opportunity. Life groups will start up soon. It's an opportunity. All these are opportunities for us to cry out to God and say, God, I need you to move in my life. What was our big takeaway? Our big takeaway was you can never make God move in your life, but you can make room for him to move in your life. Wow. What a story. What a message today to get us focused. I'll continue this next week, but it's an opportunity for us. But it's an opportunity for faith. It's an opportunity for you to to do something intentional, to believe him and trust him because that's the kind of God that we serve. He will come through every time you say, I need you. I trust you. My eyes are on you. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I put my trust in you for 2020. Come on, stand to your feet with me today. Oh, thank you, Father. Come on, raise those hands towards heaven today. Father, we bless you. Father, in our heart right now, we don't want to be cynical. We don't want to be in despair. We don't want to be hopeless. But Father, we thank you that we put our trust back in you again. We're not going to give up. That's why we're here. We're not letting go. We're not backing down. We're going to use our faith. We're going to put our trust in you. We're going to be part of a family, part of a community, part of a group of people that will believe with us as we put our trust in you for this brand new year. Father, our eyes are on you. And we trust you. We thank you. Thanks for listening. To stay connected, find out our service times, or how you can get involved, please visit intlfamilychurch.com for more information. Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose, and help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. One of the easiest ways you can help us do that is simply by sharing this podcast and connecting with us online. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening.